Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Well, welcome to uh, Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson. And uh, one of the questions we keep asking is this kind of a mind-scratching thing is uh, why corporate America has taken up to defend wokeness in so many areas. Uh, it is somewhat of a mystery. I can't see where one major corporation that has defended certain ways of wokeness um, has benefited from it. Just caused huge controversy and a loss of a lot of business. I'm delighted to have with us today Steve uh, Bonda. He is the uh, executive senior editor at the New American Magazine, which, by the way, you can go to thenewamerican.com is the website, thenewamerican.com, and you'll find a lot of things there. Steve, thanks for your time. How are you today? I'm fine, Perry. Glad to be on your show. You bet. Um, okay, woke business. <laughs> I, I can't figure out why they're sticking with this because it hasn't improved their bottom line. What's your take? Well, you know, my take is we tend to assume Coming from our, you know, our capitalist or free market heritage, we tend to assume that that the free market always wins. That people are going are going to, in the end, will make choices. That the market will always tend toward greater and greater virtue. This was the perspective of Adam Smith and many of the early economists who first really described the workings of the free market. You know, that invisible hand and all of that. But in reality, the market is a profoundly moral phenomenon. And it is no better and no worse than the morality of the people that participate in it. And so, you know, the fact is that that uh, there are many, many instances of things in the market that are immoral, anti-Christian, and so forth, that, that, that become driving market forces. For example, uh, pornography and the internet, which is, you know, like it or not, is something that, that lots and lots of people participate in. So, you know, I, I think that's that, that's something that needs to be understood going in. And then the fact is that that the market is today working as it does in concert with the financial system that we now have, the, which is based on um, on inflation and fiat money, the ability of banks and central banks, all of which are controlled by government and by politics, by political interests ultimately, have the power to to some degree, overwhelm market forces. And so even though these companies, uh, the, the targets and so forth in the world that make these, these choices to market products that they are, you know, Budweiser, you know, the Bud Light phenomenon a month ago, uh, that, that they know will, will, will cause them to take a hit in their stocks in, in, the, in the short range. They also know that their stock values can always be pushed up artificially through this wondrous mechanism of inflation, uh, and so forth. So, in, in some sense, they've almost created a, a, a market that is beyond the beck and call of customer, you know, demand. I mean, it's almost an antiquated idea nowadays. The degree to which the market can be so. So, their stocks may take a hit in the short run, but in the long run, if they're good global citizens, if they are acquiescent to the whims of the woke that seem to rule the world now in all the corridors of power, and certainly uh, corporations like BlackRock, which have enormous leverage over global financial markets and stock values and so forth, they know that in the longer run, they're not going to suffer any penalty. I mean, the same could be said of, of the news media. I mean, you know, people have been writing epitaph of the mainstream woke liberal news media 
for decades. Nobody seems to actually watch the likes of MSNBC or CNN, or at least not in sufficient numbers. And yet they're still there pumping out their propaganda. So th this is a very interesting phenomenon. And I, I think that, that, that it teaches us something, you know, that, that, that we can't necessarily repose all of our trust in sort of blind market mechanisms to always sort things out because there are other agendas. And in some cases, these agendas are so well leveraged and so powerful that they can overwhelm. And I, that may be too long an answer, no. but that's sort of the, the kind of thing that goes through my mind when I think about this. I'm trying, to, pro I'm trying to process this, Steve, because there's, there's, I guess there's a part of this I don't get because um, maybe I'm too practical. <laughs> and that <laughs> is, can you really afford to lose $14 billion and call that an old well? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the, these woke corporations, and again, the news media, the large retailers that are now, um, you know, rolling out the, uh, you, know, you know, the rainbow agenda and all this type of thing, you know, they clearly can because, I mean, the proof of the pie is in the pudding. I mean, how long it's been, you know, you go all the way back to the Clinton administration in the 90s and the news media were, 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 were propagandists for the radical left. And people back in the 90s, for those of us whose institutional memory goes back that far, I mean, you know, we're already forecasting, you know, the demise of the mainstream news media because surely market forces will bring them down. And that has not happened. So that tells us that, you know, that something is going on. Also, you know, I, I mean, if, if you look at human history and human nature in general, it is, it is manifestly not the case that the highest motivators in people's lives, even people who are not godly, even people who are not motivated by a belief in, in salvation, by religious faith, right? It's, it's never profits, almost never. There's always an ideology that's more important. I mean, ideology, I mean, if you look, otherwise, you know, where did communism come from? You know, how, did, how does communism have such staying power, given that it's clearly so antithetical to the interests of the free market, to the well-being of individuals, and so forth and so on? Everybody knows this, including most of the people who preside over communist governments. And yet communism continues because ideology has such a power to captivate. Okay, so back to <clears throat> an earlier part of this that you mentioned. Um, the morality of these companies is only as good as the people running them. And I guess the thing that I'm trying to figure out is the layers within these companies. For instance, when the Bud Light thing hit, I wonder if the stockholders knew anything about it or even higher management knew anything about it. Was this like drastic um, damage control when it came out? Well, I'm not involved with the corporation and I, I don't consume the product, so I really don't know a lot about that. But it seemed to me when that, when, when that happened, they were probably, I, I mean, I'm sure they were taken aback by it and there was some, you know, boardroom, there was a boardroom reckoning to be had over that. Right. But in the long run, it's not going to bring down the corporation. And, uh, and if, if Target ever goes out of business, it probably won't be because of a black, uh, woke uh, backlash. There are other factors at play. Most of these corporations, for example, mm, are under the control or at least under the partial control of the likes of BlackRock, which has $13 trillion worth of assets under management. $13 trillion. I mean, that's larger than the economies of every country in the world except for China and the United States. And so, and that includes, of course, generous amounts of stock in all these Fortune 500 uh, corporations. So that means that although they don't own the stock outright, I mean, owning it and 
managing it are perhaps two different things. They have enormous discretionary power. And Larry Fink and the whole, you know, coterie of wokesters that run BlackRock uh, that have turned it into this global behemoth, sort of a, you know, 20th, 21st century version of the, you know, the Rothschild family or something like that. You know, it just has incredible ascendancy over, over global finances. These people are, um, are um, you know, have a very clear agenda. They've made that clear at the World Economic Forum and in many other venues. And they will not scruple to, to do whatever they have to, to make sure the captive corporations whose assets they manage are at their beck and call and, and, and this kind of thing. So, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just that the whole, you know, old fashioned, you know, economics 101 version of the free market, and how it works really doesn't obtain in, in, in the climate that we have now with this, to say this incredible control over finances that's exerted by a global elite few and, and consequently the agenda that they want to, to, to press. Okay, this pops up a lot in conversation. So the question I would have is this group, this elite group that's supposedly controlling <clears throat> the values of these companies and through fiat and all these other things, how in the world do they manage against obvious problems like inflation and recession and high interest rates? Well, you have to, they create inflation and recession and high interest rates. And I mean, we don't have time to go into it in any detail. I don't want to, you know, bore. But suffice it to say that inflation is created by uh, banks in concert with governments, specifically Treasury departments of governments like the U.S., um, which issue debt, and then central banks uh, buy up a certain amount of that debt and pay for it in newly created money through a mechanism called open market operations. That's one of many ways that they do it. So I mean, it's it's a complicated scheme. But the bottom line is that the beneficiaries are you know, the government, the banking system, and the people who have very, very large amounts of assets parked in the primary financial institutions that are tapped into the system, that are, you know, at the spigots, as it were, where the new money is pumped into the economy. And this is the reason that a small number of very elite wealthy people are getting more and more elite and more and more wealthy at the expense of everyone else. It's not because of uh, you know inherent failure in the free market system, as the leftists like us to believe, it's because the very system we we have a free market economic system and we have a communist global financial system. Okay, so I mean this whole program is outlined in 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 the Communist Manifesto, the idea that that to achieve communism you had to have a central bank with a monopoly on the money supply and the ability to create un unlimited amounts of money. This was thought up a long time ago. We have this. Is it so? You know, is it, that's the reality. Is it totally immune from a crash? Um, not totally. I mean, not, not none of the works of man are immune <laughs> to to higher power. Amen. You know, I mean, if God decreed that that that, that all this nonsense comes to an end, he, he could do it. It just hasn't happened yet, for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about? The compromise of the current administration with, say, China and it's all of its potential. And then as it winds back in it, because you're also, you know, you're a journalist here, going back into the whole Biden family mess. Do you think that goes anywhere? Well, do you, mean, do you mean do you think it's going to lead to an impeachment or significant political consequences? Is that is that that what you're asking? Well, I don't know if it leads to impeachment. I'm just wondering if it leads to any kind of a consequence. Obviously, there's some bad deals going on here, and they don't seem to be bringing it to justice. Well, I guess we'll find out. Certainly, you know, recent history 
is not encouraging in that regard. We've seen instance after instance of this sort of blatant, in-your-face malfeasance by the likes of uh, you know Bill and Hillary Clinton, and then more recently Hillary Clinton, per se, and all this sort of thing, getting away with things that ordinary mundanes like us could never hope to get away with. And so, so far, of course, the pattern with the Bidens has been the same. And um, maybe this time will be different. Uh, so I, I don't want to sound negative. I'm skeptical. Put me down skeptical that anything will come of it other than, you know, we're going to learn more about what, what these people do and get away with. And that'll pretty much be the end of it. But perhaps, you know, something more significant will ultimately ensue. Okay. One thing is for sure, we are learning, you know, the people's eyes are being opened. And we're getting to the point where, with, where we're without excuse, that we kind of, you know, this has been hidden for a long time, but a lot of these secret things are being brought to light now. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I want to get you back, Steve, because we're almost out of time. But uh, given your organization, the New American uh, Magazine there and what you guys do, what's your outlook for the 2024 election cycle and all the players that are now in? Hard to say. I mean, right now, it, it certainly looks like Trump will be a candidate again. But it's a race against time in the sense that they're trying to put him in jail uh, before he can run for president. This has already happened in Brazil. They've already gotten rid of Bolsonaro. And uh, last week, uh, said, you know, he's Trump's like the, the Brazilian Trump. And they've now decided, you know, they, they've, they've, they've convicted him of these charges where he won't be allowed to run for president again until he's very old, if ever. So um, Biden is trying to do the same thing for Trump. So we'll see how that works out. The other candidates, frankly, at this point, don't look to be all that, you know, don't have much potential. The real story, of course, is, is what's going to happen in Congress, I think. I'm quite pleased. We are quite pleased with what the House has been doing under the current leadership. And hopefully that will continue. Hopefully the House will remain in Republican hands and will continue the process of investigation and holding to account to the extent that they're able to, holding these people to account. But whether we'll get to the point where all of these, you know, the malefactors in the FBI and the DOJ will ultimately be removed from power and see a cleansing of the House, um, we'll see. We'll Again, color me skeptical. <laughs> color you skeptical. What color is that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a mixed metaphor. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it, 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 it's a little early, and, and obviously, you know, six months from now, thing, the complexion might change dramatically. Uh, Ron DeSantis might, you know, do well in the upcoming debates or, or somebody else uh, and, and begin to seriously challenge Trump. I mean, right now, obviously, people are very sympathetic. Yeah. With the way Trump is being railroaded, and but you know we'll still see. One last question, just to kind of pull on you personally: Do you think there will ever be a, a moral revival in America? Yes, but when that will occur, it, it, you know, it's not for me to say. There are certain some early, you know, some early indicators mm -hmm. that this is that this is happening now. Um, you know, I think what you're having is what you're seeing is this this great division. Mm -hmm. You're seeing, um, in some ways, the the wicked getting worse and getting more insistent and, and more vocal. And those who are decent people, but maybe in the past or in the mushy middle, are more and more going, as they say, red pill and starting to say, "Okay, it's time to take a stand here." And people who already were red pilled are becoming better informed and more active. So what that portends, I, I mean, I personally think that there will probably be some kind of more open conflict at some point uh, to determine how this how this all shakes out. Um, 
whether that I mean, we've had we've, we've been in desperate straits in the past yeah. and we've undergone more revivals that have at least partially remedied that more yeah. moral and religious revivals. So maybe that's in the offing again. OK, thanks for I your time. I hope so. Thank- Thanks for your time. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, check out thenewamerican.com. That's the website, thenewamerican.com. Steve, uh, look forward to getting you back. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Perry. Have a good day. Yeah, God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.